so um, let's spend some time in prayer first. Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are our Creator and our Savior. Long ago, you decided to expand your family and include us, and you created us in your image. Unlike all the creatures, we are in your image. Thank you. And you made us male and female. And you came up with a great idea that a man and woman would come together in marriage, and, and through that marriage would come children, and the earth would be filled with people who are made in your image. And so we're here to thank you for your great design. Not one of us would be here without a mom. Thank you for the moms that, that are here and who work so hard to, to raise their children to follow you. Yet we know that a day of great joy for many is a sad day for many, for many who've lost their moms, for moms who've lost their, their children, for the ladies who long to be a wife and mother and have not been able to. We, we pray that your spirit would bring healing to those who are broken and, and joy and encouragement to those who rejoice. We pray as we open your word together today that your spirit would teach us and that you would win the lost who are here, that, that you would build believers in their faith, that you would equip workers. We do pray you would multiply disciple makers because there are 200,000 people in our county who don't know you. May we see you, Jesus, and be so in love with you that we find we have to go out and share you with, with people where we live and work and play. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, a pastor wrote a book, and the book was called 12 Ordinary Men. And when he wrote that book, the women in his church kept saying to him, when are you going to write a book on women? When are you going to write a book on women? And and he thought, what man would be foolish enough, right, to write a book on 12 ordinary women, right? I mean, guys, don't do this, okay? Please don't do this. But can you imagine if you told your wife, you said, sweetheart, you know what I like best about you? You're so ordinary. <laughs> How do you think that would go? Or, or on Mother's Day, if, if you said to you, your wife and the mother of your children, you know what I love so much about you? You're such a ordinary mother. That wouldn't go well, would it? So, so what John MacArthur did was as he listened to the women, he, he later wrote another book, and it was called 12 Extraordinary Women. Okay? That's what we're going to learn about this morning. On Mother's Day, we've been taking each Mother's Day and looking at an extraordinary woman in the Bible. And today, I'm going to introduce you to one of my friends. Her name is Lydia. And here's what we're going to learn as we get to know Lydia that Jesus pursues us. He pursues us. That Lydia was an ordinary woman, and Jesus pursued her. He pursued her. And, and, and listen, he drew her to himself, and she began to follow him, and this very ordinary woman became very, very extraordinary. That's what we're going to be learning about today, and we're going to read from the book of Acts, chapter 12, or chapter 16. It was hard for me to find the New Testament. We've been in the Old Testament for so long. But in Acts chapter 16, we're going to start reading at verse 6. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region. 
So just to back up just a little bit, it's about 59 or 60 A.D., and the Apostle Paul is going on his second missionary journey. He's going on his second missionary journey to encourage the churches that he had planted on his first missionary journey, and also he's got a letter to take, a report. When Gentiles started coming to faith in Christ, the church began to ask, when people come to faith in Christ who are Gentiles, do we need to make them Jews too? Do they need to be circumcised and keep all the Old Testament uh, ceremonial law like Jewish people did? So there was a council in Jerusalem, and they said no. So Paul was going to go and share the good news, the naked gospel, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. They didn't need to believe in Jesus and be circumcised or keep the ceremonial law. No, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. One more point that I want to show you. See how verse 6 begins with they? Who's going on the second missionary journey? Paul and Silas started it. Paul and Silas started it, but along the way they picked up Timothy. So it's Paul and Silas and Timothy. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Their plan as they started the adventure was to, to go and strengthen the churches, but the Holy Spirit closed that door, said, no, that's not it, not here, not now. And after they came to Mycenae, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. No, not here. The Holy Spirit changed their plans from going to churches that they had started and strengthening them to go plant new churches in new areas. The Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. A vision <clears throat> appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come and help us. Come and help us. We need help. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The greatest thing we will ever do for anyone is to share the gospel with them. As we look around our broken culture filled with broken people, imagine, imagine if we heard them crying out to us, come and help us, come and share Jesus with us, come, we need Jesus. I want to show you something else here. And they're, they're saying, come over to us in Macedonia. The cr Christian faith is not a Western religion. The Christian faith, we hear that a lot today, is a Western religion. It's not a Western religion. It's an Eastern religion. The Christian faith did not begin in Europe. The Christian faith began in Asia. It began in Jerusalem. Jesus was not a white person. Jesus was a Jewish Middle Easterner. Jesus was Semitic. The gospel didn't move from west to east. It didn't move from Europe into Asia. It moved from Asia into Europe, and this is where it does. We're going to read today how the gospel moved from the east to the west. We're going to read about the first convert of Paul's in Europe. One more thing I want to point out. Remember how we started? In the beginning, we read they. Remember that? Did you notice something that happened in verse 10? When he had seen the vision immediately... What's the word? We. Luke, 
Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke and Luke who wrote uh, the book of Acts, he's now joined them. He's now a part of this church planting team. The church planting team is now Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. In the military, when a reporter travels with the military, we call them a embedded reporter. That's what Lucas, he's embedded in this church planting team as they move into Europe to plant churches and evangelize the people. So putting out to sea from Troas, we, see there it is again, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis and from there to Philippi. If you're geographically challenged like I am, let me show you what this looks like. See Antioch with the star that was kind of where the church planting movement began in Antioch. See the lines that go down to Jerusalem. When Paul finished his first missionary journey, they were asking, do, do Gentiles need to become Jews? So he went down to Jerusalem. There was a council there, and they said, no, just preach the naked gospel. He comes back to Antioch, and he sets out to go revisit the churches. And the Holy Spirit said, no, no, and took him to the Aegean Sea. They cross over the Aegean Sea, and there we see Philippi, right? Philippi is where this is taking place. This is where the gospel springs from Asia into Europe. And on the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia. This is a key city for evangelizing all of Europe. Because this city sat on the main road that connected the eastern provinces like Galilee and Judea with Rome. This was key for reaching all of Europe. Notice as well that it was a Roman colony. Many Roman soldiers um, had retired in Philippi and it was a Roman colony. It meant these people would have had Roman citizenship and enjoyed the privileges of citizenship. And we were staying in this city for some days. Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, they're, they're in Philippi for several days. And on the Sabbath day, on Saturday, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing there would be a place of prayer. Anybody remember Paul's evangelistic strategy? Paul's evangelistic strategy. When he would go to a place, who would he go to first? Some of you know he would go to the... Jews, right? Don't you remember in Romans 1, Paul gives us his evangelistic strategy? Notice what he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what does that mean? First of all, it means that everybody needs the gospel. Jewish people do, Gentiles do. But secondly, his strategy was to go to the Jew first. You know why? Because they were the prepared people. For two thousand years, they had been waiting for the day that a Savior would come. They were the low-hanging fruit, the people most likely to respond because they were looking for a Savior. They were looking for a Messiah. So he would go to the Jew first. Now notice, <clears throat> it says that he went uh, to the riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. The reason he went there is in a city... In a city, if there were 10 men, if there were 10 Jewish men, you could have a synagogue. So this city did not meet the minimum standard or requirement for a synagogue. So Paul said, there's not a synagogue here, but there's probably a place of prayer. 
So Paul goes to the place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled, and he began, they began to share the gospel with them. Now, it's a place of prayer, so what are the people doing there? What are they doing? They're praying, and do you see what happens? While they're praying, what happens? While they're praying, God answers their prayer, right? They're praying, and what God sends, what, Paul and Silas and Timothy and and Luke to share the gospel with them, right? While they're praying, these guys show up and begin to share the gospel with them. Now, verse 14, a woman. Now, I think in past years, I would have just skipped right over that, but, but it just struck me. In today's world, that's a big deal, isn't it? Uh, say it with me, uh, woman. Listen, if you're new, we're a church, and we believe the Bible is the God, Word of God, and uh, we believe the most important verse in the Bible is the, the first one. And how does the Bible begin? In Genesis 1, it begins with this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we're not in a universe where no one's in charge, but God created us? That's why there's order in the universe, because God created the heavens and the earth. And the story gets even better. God made everything, and then, and then he gets to the best part of his, his creation in verse 27. Listen to this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Have you ever thought, man, I'm a nobody? That's not true. If you're a person, you're made in the image of God. And what that means is every human being, young or old, no matter what race, no matter what their ethnicity, all people are made in the image of God and all people are of great value. Aren't you glad? We're surrounded by people who think we're just animals who happen to walk on two feet and not particularly good ones at that. No. We're made in God's image. We are people of great, great value. Now, the first thing we notice is we're created in His image. Now, I want you to notice there's one other thing we really need to hear in our culture today. We're made in the image of God, male and female, He created them. God created us in His image, male and female, two sexes, and God made us male and female for a purpose. And so we read in the book of Acts we read about a woman, right? We don't read about a, a person who identified as a woman. We read about a woman. And it's so important as Christians. We live in a deluded culture. And it's radically important for us to be renewed in our minds and not conform to our culture. We read about a woman named Lydia. I like that name. We have six kids. Our oldest daughter's name is Lydia. The way we named our kids is we looked for characters in the Bible who showed up, did something good, and disappeared. <laughs> you do know why, right? Because most, if they stayed in the Bible long enough, what happened? They did some really bad things, and then your kids would say, why did you name us after them? So Lydia's perfect. She shows up, does something good, and disappears. <laughs> a woman named Lydia from the city of Theotara. Theotara is a city uh, in an area of Asia Minor that's called Lydia. So Lydia is named after a geographic region. 
Huh. We have a family like that here too, don't we? Don't we have Canaan and Galilee and Geneva and Georgia? Don't we? Don't we have a family like that? That's what Lydia was like. Lydia was named after where she was from. So we have a woman named Lydia from the city of Theatira, a seller of purple fabrics. Listen, she was not only a mother, she was a businesswoman. She sold purple fabrics. And, and probably the dye was probably made from seashells, and it was a very lucrative business. She was quite successful. Uh, a seller of perfect fabrics, a worshiper of God. Now, that's an interesting description. She was a worshiper of God. She... she she believed in God, and, and she wanted to know God, but she was not yet a Christian. She had not yet heard the gospel. Um, she was listening. Now, I want to give you a piece of advice I've given you, you before, but one of the best pieces of advice I can ever give you is to go where wisdom gathers and to avoid where wisdom scatters. Go where wisdom gathers, avoid where wisdom scatters. She doesn't yet know Jesus, but she goes to be with people who are praying to God. And you know what? She meets Jesus there. Imagine that, right? A seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So while she's listening, the Lord opens her heart. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well... Jesus pursues us. Jesus loved Lydia so much, he sent an A-team to share the gospel, didn't he? I mean, wouldn't you call Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke? That would be an A-team, wouldn't it? So he sent an A-team to share the gospel, but he also sent the Holy Spirit because none of us would ever get to Jesus on our own. So he sent the Holy Spirit to raise her from the dead. He sent the Holy Spirit to unstop her deaf ears, to open her blind eyes, to soften her heart, because naturally our hearts are hostile to God. The Holy Spirit opened her eyes to see the beauty of Jesus so she would respond in faith. Paul and Silas, they, they shared the gospel, but the Lord opened her heart. Opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So what was Paul sharing? Paul was sharing the gospel, right? And the word gospel means good news, but it includes bad news, doesn't it? I mean, look at this verse in Isaiah 53. Doesn't this verse contain both the bad news and the good news? Notice how it starts. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We need to hear that. We live in a culture today that believes there are good people and there are bad people. And the gospel says what? There is one good person, and his name is Jesus. And all the rest of us are flawed. Do you see that? All of us, especially me, each of us, especially me, we've gone our own way. That means we've pushed God away and said, no, God will do life our way. And through thought and word and deed, we have sinned against God over and over again, and we are in big trouble. The Bible says what we deserve for what we have done is hell. Oh, 
That's the bad news. And it's only when we understand the bad news that we've sinned, that we're in big trouble, that we have ears to hear the good news. Now the Holy Spirit showed her the good news. Do you see the good news in this verse? But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. There is a Savior. There is one good person named Jesus. He's our Savior. God became man. He lived a perfect life for us. And then he went to the cross. And here's what happened. See the Lord, God the Father, put our sins on Jesus. You ever stop and think of that? Jesus had never sinned, not even once. And he took on himself our sin, the shame, the guilt, and he died in her place. And many of us this week, we were reading in John, right? And it was so good, we read about this. And Jesus from the cross, he said, what? It is finished. What he said is it's paid in full. He was, he was laid in a tomb, but on the third day he rose. And, and you know what that means? He, that he had conquered sin and death, and, and death couldn't hold him anymore. I love what someone says, Jesus put the exclamation point on paid in full. What? When he walked out of the tomb. That's how we know the penalty has been paid. And listen, Jesus pursues us, just like he pursued Lydia. He pursues us. That blew my mind when I heard Revelation 3.20 and understood, Jesus knew me. He loved me. He was pursuing me. He wanted to do eternity together. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus knew my name. Jesus loved me. Is that amazing? Jesus came to me. Jesus says, I want to move into you. I want to forgive you. I, I want to give you eternal life. Let's do life together. Let's do eternity together. If I move in, I'll never move out. <laughs> there was a day in my life where I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And, and if you've never done that, won't you do that? How did that happen? I, I, I said, Jesus, I, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Won't you? And Jesus, I want you, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And, and I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me of all my sins and give me eternal life. Do you know how good it is to go to bed at night knowing you're forgiven? And, and, and I said, I want you to be Lord of my life and, and help me be the person you want me to be. And listen, he's done that. He runs my life so much better than I ever have. Um, and you know what happens when Jesus moves in? He says, I'm never leaving. You ever had a friend who left? Listen, once you began a friendship with Jesus, he never leaves. Won't you receive him? And if you have, won't you pause a minute and with me just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for bearing my sins. Thank you for sending someone to me to share the gospel Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to raise me from the dead and open my ears and soften my heart and show me the beauty of Christ. And thank you for enabling me to respond. And thank you for moving in. And thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for promising me you'll never leave. And thank you for promising me the best is yet to come. Man, if you're a Christian, aren't you so thankful that Jesus pursues us, aren't you? And listen, one more thing as we think about how the Lord opened her heart. Don't we all have friends that we want to see come to faith in Christ, don't we? Aren't there people we'd like to see to come to faith in Christ? But often we're hesitant to share because we think, what if I don't know enough? What if they ask me questions I don't know the answer to? Listen, 
Paul and Silas shared the gospel. Jesus opened their heart. You know what encourages us to share the faith? It is to realize that when we share, people don't hear our voice. They hear the voice of Jesus, and he opens their hearts. Matter of fact, let me show you this cool verse. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. Isn't that what he was saying in Asia? Isn't it? Wasn't he saying in Asia, listen, I have other sheep, and they're in Europe. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. Notice what he says, I must bring them also. Jesus loves his people. Jesus sent Paul and Silas to, to rescue Lydia because he loved her. He pursued her. Listen, I must bring them also. When we go out, Jesus is pursuing his people through us, and they will become one flock, with, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. I remember it like it was yesterday. When my young life leader was sharing the gospel with me, I didn't hear his voice. I heard Jesus. I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart. I heard Jesus saying, let me in. Listen, when we share the gospel, Jesus opens hearts. Jesus draws people to himself. Back to Acts chapter 16. And when she and her household had been baptized... She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Listen, right away we see gospel transformation. Not only did Lydia believe the gospel, but she began to be transformed by the gospel. It, good news, we want to not just lead people to faith in Christ. We really do want to make disciples. And so we've helped you understand a definition for disciples. So a disciple is what a... Oh, this is bad. A disciple is what? You don't sound like you believe it. A disciple is what? Wow, this is really poor. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Let's say it again. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. If you don't know what it is, how will you ever follow him? Hmm? Listen, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. If someone asks you, what's a disciple? Be ready. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. If we're confused of what it is, how will we ever follow? And we've also said that a disciple has what? He has three great loves, right? A disciple loves Jesus and loves one another and loves the laws. And how does that happen? Here's what happens. Look at 1 John verse 4. We love because he first loved us. I'm going to show you that Lydia loved Jesus she didn't love Jesus, so Jesus would love her. She loved Jesus because Jesus loved her. And I'm going to show you that, that she loved one another. She didn't love others so that Jesus would love her. She loved them because Jesus did love them. And we're, we're going to say that she loved lost people. Why? Because Jesus had loved her. Let me show you. Oh, Lydia loved Jesus. Do you? How do I know? It says, and when she and her when she had been baptized, when Lydia came to faith in Christ, it's interesting in the book of Acts that baptism follows conversion very quickly in Acts. She identified with Jesus in baptism. And listen, as the water was poured over her head, that was a sign. It was a sign and a seal that her sins had been washed away, that she had been renewed by the Holy Spirit. She identified with Christ because she loved him. <clears throat> Do you? You know what else I see? She urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. Listen, she had a hunger for the word of God. 
stay with me. Now, part of that was hospitality. But listen, teach me about Jesus. Teach me about Jesus. Teach me about Jesus. Is that us? Oh, that's what we see in the Bible on the day of Pentecost. Peter is preaching. And as he preached, by the way, this is what pastors dream of. He preached and 3,000 people were saved in one day. So listen, he preached, 3,000 people were saved. And listen to what the Bible says in Acts 2. So then those who had received his word were baptized. They were, were wisdom gatherers. They heard the word. They believed and they were baptized. That day they were added about 3,000 souls. So if someone believes in Jesus, if someone's a disciple, what would you expect to see in their life? What would you expect if someone loved Jesus? You see in the 3,000, the same thing you saw in Lydia, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Is that us? Do we love Jesus? Do we love his word? Do we long to be taught about Jesus? So... We see that Lydia's converted. We see that she's a disciple because she loves Jesus. She also loves one another. She loves one another. Notice what she does. And when she and her household had been baptized, she's baptized, she brings her family with her. Her first thought, her first thought are about her kids. She wanted them to know Jesus. And some of us are from traditions where, where children are baptized and some of us aren't. And so it might see seems strange to you, that her household was baptized with her. Listen, the passage emphasizes Lydia's faith, but not the faith of her children. They were baptized with her. Matter of fact, see the word household? That's a big deal in the Bible. Did you know the word household occurs 279 times in the Bible? Household. 279 times. The first time it occurs is Noah and his household were saved from the flood. Because from beginning to end, God loves to reach families and not just individuals. We move over to Genesis 12. God establishes his covenant with Abraham. He says, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. Oh, and then he says this, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Isn't that great? That I want to bless not only you, but bless your family. A little bit later in the Bible, we read about Rahab. And Rahab was told that everybody in her household, everybody was where the, the, gold, the, the scarlet thread was laid out. Everybody would be saved. So she had everybody in her family there, right? And when the wall came down, who was spared? Rahab and her household. We get to Acts 16. There's another household that's going to be baptized, and that's the jailer. But before they're baptized, we have this question and this answer. Notice this. The jailer says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said what? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. That's what Lydia heard, and she said, you've saved me. I want more than anything in the world that my children would be saved. Having them baptized, she says, they need the cleansing blood of Christ. They need the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know what's interesting? It seems strange to us, but we work through a church planter in India, and the, the vision for every church that Ken Tombing plants in India, do you know what the... the, the uh, Vision is, listen carefully, it's to reach every household in the village for Christ. We would never say that in America. We would say we want to reach every, what, person. But most of the world is tribal. 
And listen, their plan was to reach every household. And that's what we see happening with Lydia, that Jesus got her and through her the rest of the family. She loved one another, starting with her own household. We see her love for one another. Listen to what it says next. If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. Listen, loved people love. We can tell. We can tell that Lydia's been loved because she says, stay in my house. And welcomed people welcome, right? Is that true of us? Do we love God's people? Matter of fact, Jesus said the unreached people in this community, there is one way they can tell whether we're disciples of Jesus or not, and it might surprise you. In John 13, Jesus says, By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. See the word one another? He's not talking about your neighbor. He's not talking about your enemy. He says this community will make a decision whether we're disciples or not based on our love for one another. People often say, well, do I have to go to a church as a Christian? You don't have to do anything. But if you want people to know you're a Christian, if you want people to know you're a disciple, it's vitally important that we who have been loved, love, and that we who've been forgiven, forgive, and that we who've been welcome, welcome. Oh, we see that in Lydia, don't we? She opened up her home and had them in. Then Paul and Silas go into to, to to jail and eventually they get out and she takes a good a great risk to welcome them again look at verse 40 Paul and Silas they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia Lydia says listen you can stay at my house you know why because she'd been loved and she loves and when they saw the brethren they encouraged them and departed oh Jesus pursued Lydia and Lydia loved Jesus and she loved one another and she loved the loss Listen, she loved the lost. She let Paul and Silas meet in her house and share the gospel. The church in Philippi was birthed in her home. And many years later, Paul would write a letter to the church in Philippi. And don't you think he had Lydia in mind when he wrote these words? You ever think about that? Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Talking about the church, I thank God every time I remember you. Notice what he says, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Who participated on the first day? Who did? Lydia did. And who was still participating when he did this? Lydia was. She was still participating in the work of evangelizing her city and Europe, right? in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Oh, she loved Jesus. She loved one another. She loved the lost. And I love Paul. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the first person in Europe to, to be won to Christ through Paul's ministry was a woman? And isn't it interesting that she played such a huge part in reaching her city and the continent? But it shouldn't surprise us, should it? Because women have always involved, been involved, haven't they? The first people to see Jesus after he rose from the dead were who? They were women. The first to carry the gospel, right? The good news that Jesus was alive was who? Women. And what we see here is a woman. She was an ordinary woman, but Jesus pursued her. And when she experienced the love of Christ, she was not ordinary anymore. Her life was changed. Her family's life was changed. A church was planted. Her city was changed. And she helped bring the gospel to all of Europe. Hmm. 
So what we've learned so far is that Jesus pursued us, right? And uh, what I want you to know is when Jesus moves in, he says to me, follow me, follow me. But if you're like me, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you think the last year has been hard? Uh, Just a couple of you. How many of you think the last year has been hard? And, you know, if I look too far down the road at the idea of following Jesus, it's overwhelming. And in hard times, in hard times, when I get really discouraged, I've learned to pray a very simple prayer. Jesus, help me to take the next step. Help me to take the next step and the next step. And so it's an action point step this week. What I'd love for you to do is just day by day, step by step, Jesus, help me to take the next step. And let's start that with loving Jesus. Jesus, help me to take the next step in loving you. And a very important step in loving Jesus is to love his word. And listen, if you're not spending time in the word, pick up a study that's on a seat around you. This week, we're going to start reading from the book of Acts. Listen, let's do it together. Listen, Jesus wants us to be in his word. You know why I love to get up and read his word every day? You know why I love it? Because in his word is truth. Do you ever look around our culture and you hear so many voices and all I want to do is know the truth? It's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. Will you pick it up and read it? Jesus, help me to take the next step and and pick up your word and fill my mind with the word of God. Will you do that? Oh, next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're starting a series of messages from First and Second Peter, and the purpose of this series will be to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. The longing of my heart is to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. Listen, Lydia went where wisdom gathers. Will we go where wisdom gathers and avoid where wisdom scatters? Listen, be here. Bring someone with you. We want to equip you. Jesus, help me to take the next step to love you. Jesus, help me to take the next step to love one another. Doesn't it start with our children? Lord, help me to bring my children to you. Maybe you're a kid. Help me to bring my parents to you. Isn't that where loving one another starts in the family? And then it starts by being in a church. Listen, if you're not in a small group, that might be the next step. Help me to take the next step. If you're in a small group, it might be to lead one and make room for other people. Lord, help me to take the next step. I want you to know this is a marvelous opportunity we have to love one another. And here's why. We live in a cancel culture. Now listen, if you do one thing wrong in our culture, you will be excommunicated from the in crowd. And there is no way back. People are starving for community, and we belong to a community that what? You have to fail, what? To be let in. (laughs) Don't we? This is a place you can't get in unless you've failed. What an opportunity we have in a culture where people are canceled. There is a place where people who mess up are welcome. Wow. Listen, Jesus, help me to take the next step, to love you, to love one another, to love the lost, right? Um, last, last couple of weeks ago, I was in Atlanta 
My aunt died a, a little over a year ago, but my family was waiting, my extended family was waiting so that COVID would clear up. They waited a year, but guess what? Didn't clear up. But, but we got together and they asked me to officiate and my cousins are all there and their spouses. Many of them I've never uh, met. And, um, and, and so I asked others to, to, to talk about my aunt and they all talked about how wonderful she is. And I'm praying, Lord, help me to take the next step because I have to cross the pain line and say what? She really wasn't all that wonderful, right? So I'm praying because I'm a coward by nature. Lord, help me. Help me to cross the pain line and help me to teach the gospel. And so I walked across the pain line and said she really wasn't all that good, but Jesus really was that good. And when we believe in him, then our future looks one of good and better and best. And listen, I shared the gospel and I invited people to respond. And after the service, so many in my family came up and said, thank you, thank you. And they had all these questions, all these questions about Jesus and the future and the gospel. You know why? Because... I asked Jesus to help me take the next step. How about you? Will you pray that this week? Jesus, give me an opportunity to share you with others. And, and mothers, I'm going to give you a softball. This is so easy. You can do it. This is so easy. I mean, today is Mother's Day, right? And those of you who are mothers, someone's going to ask you this week, what would you do for Mother's Day? What'd you get for Mother's Day? They just what? They just threw you a soft pitch, didn't they? Why don't you tell them, I got to go to church. And we learned about an extraordinary woman. Her name was Lydia. She was a nobody, but Jesus pursued her. And she became a somebody. Her life was changed by Jesus. Her family was changed by Jesus. Her city was changed by Jesus. She was a part of changing all of Europe. Wouldn't you like to know him too? What have we learned today that Jesus pursued us? Aren't you glad? We would never have pursued him, but he pursues us. Aren't you glad? And when he finds us, he doesn't leave any of us ordinary. He says, follow me, and I'll make you extraordinary like Lydia. And what's our part? Our part's to learn to pray day by day, decision by decision what? Jesus, what? Help me. Help me to take the next step and the next step and the next. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for coming to seek and save sinners. Thank you for living and dying and rising so that we could have eternal life. Thank you. Listen, if Jesus has opened your heart today, if you've heard the gospel and you want to receive him, he's here. Won't you receive him? Won't you say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross and rose for me. And I want you to come in and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you and to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for those of us who've received you that today we would thank you. Thank you for pursuing us and thank you for opening our hearts and thank you for giving us eternal life and thank you for promising to get us home. And because you've loved us so well, Jesus, help us to take the next step to love you. 
May we have a love for your word and read your word and fill our minds with, with your word. May we gather on Sunday to be equipped to follow you in an increasingly hostile culture. Lord, help us to take the next step to love one another. Help us to bring our family to you. We want that more than anything. Lord, help us to love one another in your church and provide a community here where people who've done wrong things can be welcome. And Lord, help us to love the lost this week. Help us to have opportunities to tell others how amazing, how amazing, not us, how amazing you are. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Make you smile. Let's stand.